This is Fire News Now, bringing you news and information from around the fire service. Proudly brought to you by the NEP Media Network, it's Saturday, February 12th, 2022. I'm Jim Maleski. Firefighters are still on the scene of a large brush fire burning since Thursday morning near Laguna, California. The Emerald Fire was reported just after 4 a.m. Thursday near the 1400 block of Emerald Bay. By 9.30 a.m., the wind-driven fire had affected more than 150 acres and was only 10% contained. Mandatory evacuations were issued in the area early Thursday, forcing several schools to also close. These fires come with Santa Ana winds affecting the area with potential gusts between 40 and 60 miles an hour. Orange County Fire Authority Chief Brian Fennessy spoke with Fox 11 Los Angeles from the scene. This is uh, an area of the county, the unincorporated area of the county that you know, always causes concern. And, and I was around in 1993, the last time this area suffered a, a major wind-driven fire. And we lost you know, many, many homes. And so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's one of those phone calls you, you hope you don't get in the middle of the night. NEP Media's own Stacy Uden and Drew Howitt were both evacuated from their homes as the flames quickly spread. They both gave accounts of what they experienced. It was a harsh awakening. 5.30 in the morning, the Laguna Beach Police Department was announcing on a megaphone that we needed to leave and evacuate immediately. Leave all of our belongings behind. A quick glance out the window and we saw the hill behind our house ablaze with flames. It was quite scary. 5.30 in the morning, I hear a PA system coming from our Laguna Beach Police saying, this is the Laguna Beach Police, wake up, this is an emergency, you need to evacuate immediately, leave your possessions, leave your houses immediately. And not seeing the northern facing hill, I didn't know what was wrong. I went upstairs, found my wife asleep, who didn't hear a thing, wake her, and we look up at the hill, and it's just a raging inferno coming at us. Uh, I cannot express our deepest and sincerest gratitude to the police and firefighters of Laguna Beach, Orange County Sheriff's, and the Orange County Fire Authority for their exceptional coordination in fighting the Emerald Fire. At one point, we had four helicopters in sync dropping water along the fire ridge and protecting our neighborhood. It, it was an incredible sight to see, um, along with firefighters and, and fire trucks from all over Orange County, Mission Viejo, Huntington Beach driving up the neighborhood um, to the very, very top of the hill to protect our, our homes. Uh, this whole experience reminded us that emergency preparedness is not something that you just do once. Um, it's important to look at your plans and revise them, who you're going to call, where are you going to go. Uh, it was quite scary to do the emergency shuffle and leave. Uh, hoping that we didn't leave anything behind, um, you know, when we had to be out within 10 minutes. So all at once we realized we're not going to get out of this thing. We got to get out of here. We can't sit and watch this. So we threw out everything we could in a short minute together and evacuated immediately. But what was really amazing about that day was coming back to our home just hours later and watching this amazing coordinated effort by several government agencies while they just systematically knocked down this fire, saved everyone's property. It was incredible, and we owe them a debt of gratitude. It's just a masterful thing to see when they're really on point. Fire crews had as many as 75 engines, four Cal Fire air tankers, five hand crews, two bulldozers, and five helicopters working the fire. While the blaze came dangerously close to several neighborhoods, no homes were damaged or injuries reported at this time. 
Charleston, South Carolina firefighters rescued four residents from their balconies early Monday morning while battling a massive fire at a West Ashley apartment complex. The three-alarm fire was reported Monday morning just before 5 a.m. at the Palms Apartments on Royal Palm Boulevard. The fire is believed to have started on the first floor, but by the time firefighters arrived on scene, just four minutes after the first 911 call came in, the fire had already spread into the building's attic space. Charleston Fire Chief Dan Curia talked about the challenging conditions his firefighters faced when they arrived on the scene. It was an incredibly, incredibly challenging fire, both uh, with the building layout, with the, uh, the rescues that needed to be made, with water supply. So uh, we were probably actively fighting this fire for, I'd say, at least 90 minutes before we could even think to term it under control. No injuries were reported, but as many as 56 apartments were affected by the fire leaving almost 180 residents displaced. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. Oklahoma City firefighters are still on the scene of a massive fire that broke out late Tuesday afternoon at a still-under-construction apartment complex. Shortly after 6.30 p.m. Tuesday, firefighters responded to a report of smoke coming from the roof area of the Canton, a new complex being built in the city's Class and Curve area. By 7 a.m. Wednesday morning, firefighters estimated they had already poured more than 2 million gallons of water on the blaze, but collapsing floors kept them from going inside the structure. Oklahoma City Fire Chief Richard Kelly spoke with Oklahoma City ABC affiliate KOCO5 from their news helicopter while surveying the scene. I originally got the call at 6.33 uh, p.m. yesterday, and uh, the, the arriving first arriving crews, they did note that there was smoke on the roof. They made their way to the roof and that's where they found active fire. Uh, it spread very quickly uh, from that point, Chase. It was really, uh, the, the, what it was described to me was the roofing materials were made out of a kind of a rubbery, foam-like uh, consistency. It's a, a, a very common building product and one that's actually very hard to get on fire, but once it is on fire, it's also very hard to extinguish. And it really just traveled across that roof line once it got involved with, uh, with that roofing material. Uh, we did a, uh, we were very aggressive initially, uh, and, you know, we put up a lot of our master streams. We had six master streams flowing at one time. We had uh, different firefighters were inside at the time as well, also using hand lines. And um, unfortunately, it just, it's a very large building. That's a lot of fuel, and it was developing very quickly. No injuries have been reported so far, but the $65 million complex is being called a total loss. Authorities expect the investigation will take considerable time to complete once the fire is completely extinguished. What began as routine ice rescue training for Maryland Heights, Missouri firefighters led to a life-saving rescue at a Creve Corps Lake. As fires wrapped up their annual training, a deputy chief saw two teenage boys running across a frozen part of the lake and fall into the frigid water about 350 feet from the shore. The firefighters on the scene immediately responded and about five minutes later rescued the boys from the ice. Maryland Heights Assistant Fire Chief Steve Reinhardt spoke to St. Louis NBC affiliate KSDK5 after the incident. The water just below the ice was just below freezing, uh, floating in some broken ice, and uh, the other one was struggling. And for us to be there at that given second, the odds have to be astronomical. Officials say the rescued boys were experiencing early stages of hypothermia, but should be okay. An arbitrator has lifted residency requirements for firefighters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The ruling comes after the arbitrator determined that the city did not have the power to restrict residency. All 657 city firefighters now have the freedom to live wherever they want. 
Pittsburgh IFF local president Ralph Sakuro spoke to Pittsburgh CBS affiliate KDKA2 about the situation. My membership is obviously happy with the decision that has come down. I think giving people the, the choice to be able to live whether they want to stay in the city or live in the suburbs is the right thing to do. Everybody should have that ability to choose. If you live next to your neighbor, of course there's that nice little uh, something to have that comfort zone there, but it doesn't mean all of our members are going to run away and move somewhere else. They're still going to be here. We're still going to be a part of our community. The order follows the precedent set in a 2017 Pennsylvania State Supreme Court decision eliminating a similar residency requirement for Pittsburgh police officers. The city will have 30 days to appeal this decision, but if they do not, the order will stand. And now a message from NEP Services. NEP Services presents Adapt or Die. the 2022 Adapt or Die Conference. Adapt or Die. Advanced communications training for leaders and emergency responders. With an incredible lineup of speakers from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, politics, and beyond. And introducing keynote speaker, Cody Gandy, from Jocko Willick and Leif Babin's Echelon Front. Now, when I first came on board, I heard Jocko and Leif talking about default aggressive. Immediately registered with me because in the Marine Corps, we utilize the bias for action. And now, bias for action, what that meant was to be aggressive rested in every single thing that we did. March 10th to 11th, 2022, at the Mirage in Las Vegas. Visit www.neptraining.org for more information and to register. And now, back to the news. Firefighters in several cities across the country are being put on unpaid leave, or even losing their jobs completely, after not complying with local COVID vaccine mandates. Dozens of Chicago firefighters were summoned to that city's fire headquarters Wednesday, with some being asked if they planned on complying with the city's mandate, with others finding out they were already in no-pay status. WGN-TV News spoke to several Chicago firefighters about the situation. I'm put on no-pay status. I can't, uh, going back home. I don't gotta go home and get an insurance quote, see what that costs. They told me I'm on unpaid leave until I decide to get the shot. And if I decide not to get the shot, 30 days of unpaid status, I lose my health insurance coverage. And we're losing guys that have experience on this job and, and uh, training that the city has invested in these members. You have people that have uh, medical ailments, they're gonna exclude them from getting this vaccination on their, on their doctor's recommendation. So I have to make a decision and I don't believe in it. I don't plan on getting it. So I guess I'm gonna have to find another job. We've been on the front line in this thing since day one. Over half of the, uh, our membership that's in the field has contracted this virus. 25 FDNY firefighters were expected to lose their jobs Friday ahead of New York City's vaccine mandate deadline, with more than 600 more New York City first responders waiting to hear about their various exemptions and appeals. Fox News spoke with New York City firefighter Paul Schweit, founder of the group Bravest for Choice, about his concerns about the situation in that city. You know, Mayor Adams gave us uh, a lot of hope when he came into office. He he said on, to the public that he wants to negotiate with the unions, that he wants to find a solution uh, coming out of this pandemic. Um, and we're asking for choice in the matter. Uh, being told to get a shot or be terminated is an ultimatum, it's not a choice. We want those people that have uh, religious beliefs 
sincerely held beliefs to, or even medical beliefs, uh, I'm sorry, medical exemptions to have the choice in the matter. And quite frankly, throughout the height of the pandemic, there was a testing option that was being used and it, it was proven safe and effective then. And we don't understand why it's not safe and effective now, even though they're using it currently. And elsewhere, around 100 Boston firefighters marched on Boston City Hall Friday to protest that city's mandates. And finally, the St. Louis, Missouri Fire Department is asking for the public's help in finding those responsible for stealing firefighter tools right off one of the city's fire trucks. While St. Louis firefighters responded to an early morning fire last week, somebody took a chainsaw and a rescue saw off of Ladder 10. St. Louis Fire Captain Garen Mosby spoke with St. Louis Fox affiliate KTVI2 about the incident. It's not the character of what St. Louis is, and we know that because we, we don't experience this regularly. So it's an isolated incident. Uh, hopefully we find them. Thankfully, firefighters noticed the missing tools before they went on another run. If we finish that fire and this truck gets a, a fire in the house and there's someone trapped and I need that chainsaw to cut through some boards or I need that rescue saw to get a trapped person that I can see behind bars and I don't have the equipment I'm expecting to have, that creates a bit of a problem. The fire department has gotten creative in their search for the tools by posting photos of them on milk cartons asking, have you seen us? Both of the tools have stickers of Truck 10 on them. Anyone with information is advised to contact the St. Louis Police. From the NEP Media Network, this is the February 12th, 2022 edition of Fire News Now. Thank you for tuning in, and remember to subscribe to Fire News Now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com.